Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. This is Tuesday, October 11th. I'm Kieran Hancock and on this week's show we'll be looking at Budget 2017. I'm joined in studio by Cliff Taylor, Business Editor of the Irish Times, Peter O'Reilly, a Tax Policy Leader with PwC and by Madeleine Lyons, Residential Property Editor of the Irish Times. I'm also joined on the phone by Fia Kelly, a member of our political staff. And don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Uh, Fia, I might start with you. Uh, you might just take us through some of the main features from today's budget. I think the main feature, Kieran, is that the budget is a £1.3 billion packed in terms of extra spending uh, that was outlined by Pascal Dunham and Michael Noonan, and it was actually split on a three-quarters, one-quarter basis between spending increases and tax cuts. So this budget was very much a spending budget, even though there was only £1.3 extra to spend, and that was largely directed towards on the spending side, uh, welfare increase, we saw five euro increases in the pension, in job seekers allowances for older recipients of that, uh, increases in the Christmas bonus, up to 85% of what it was during the boom. Uh, funding for this new childcare scheme as well was announced, recruitment of guards, nurses and teachers. Um, and then on the taxation side, I suppose the big ticket item was the USC reductions, a half percent cut in each of the 1%, 3% and 5.5% rates, as well as this help to buy scheme that was being flagged uh, for a number of months now. I thought so they're the big ticket items in the budget. All right. And of course, an extra 50 cents on the packet of fags, I think that was the only tax increase that was actually in the budget this year. Yeah, that was a new revenue raising measure. I know there is other aspects of uh, Michael Lillian's package that will seek to, I suppose, clamp down on tax avoidance in future. Uh, he mentioned the panel papers in his uh, budget speech about something that had come to the attention of the government. They want to, um, I suppose, clamp down on those loopholes in the future, but in terms of specific revenue raising measures, only the 50 cent on the bag of cigarettes that will apply across all uh, various other uh, tobacco products as well. Okay, Fick, a lot of this stuff had been well flagged. Any surprises in the budget today for you? Um, not particularly. Uh, it, it, there was, excuse me, there was no surprises really in the budget. Like it had been well flagged on the nature of this budget, the construction of the budget, because we're in a situation where we have a minority government, which has independent members of it, uh, and is, uh, I suppose, reliant on the acquiescence of Fianna Fáil. That this budget has been negotiated uh, two ways. Uh, 
between Fine Gael and the independence and between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. So there, were, there was no surprise because I don't think this government, given its rickety nature, would have been able to sustain any big surprises today if, I, I, I suppose, an unexploded landmine had, had arisen during those two speeches. You'd be quite worried for the stability of the government given how precarious it is. Yeah, OK. And we were promised more openness and transparency and so forth in the budget process. Uh, you've witnessed it at uh, close hand, if you like, in Leinster House. Have we actually, uh, have they actually delivered on that? Not this time around, but there are steps in that direction. Uh, the newly established uh, Budgetary Oversight Committee held some hearings in advance of the budget. It didn't really get it destroyed this year. I think the structures will be in place to allow a better function next year. But there was more use of uh, cabinet committees, for example, this year to trash out policy details over the last number of weeks. So previous years you would have seen measures kept very tight within departments and even within the Department of Finance and maybe only between the Department of Finance and the Department of Public Expenditure and the relevant department. What we saw this year, because the nature of this government is large cabinet subcommittees uh, involving basically a number of ministers from Fine Gael, a number of independents, discussing various policy options such as the child care scheme, and that allowed for greater transparency and debate and shaping of uh, policy announcements as the budgetary process progressed. All right, Fake, I know you're under time pressure, so we'll let you go. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Madeleine Lyons, I might just come to you uh, just on the housing piece because this is one of the large elements of uh, the budget this year. Again, it had been uh, well flagged. Uh, the government finally doing something for first-time buyers. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, uh, we have an outcome for first-time buyers, but I think there would be general disappointment that th- there wasn't more done, um, but more of that later. But the Help to Buy scheme certainly is mm. a, a, a new initiative Um it will deliver back up to 20,000, a maximum of 20,000 rebate. It's a 5% rebate up yeah, to 400 yeah, grand. Yeah, exactly. And even actually if you buy up to 600 grand, you'll still get that maximum 20 grand rebate. But it's only for first-time buyers. Only for first-time buyers on new, new builds. New houses, yeah, new builds. So that seems a little bit unfair for anybody that wants to buy a So is this going to get the market moving? Uh, well, the thinking is that, you know, some people are saying that it's, it's only it's only uh, fueling the demand side, but actually it probably is fueling the supply side in that it's, it'll incentivise builders because the, the age-old argument goes that it'll drive prices upwards. And in fact, that probably is what will happen. But that's what's going to incentivise the builders to come in and start building at that rate because they're insisting for for eons now yeah. the building costs just are too high and they can't come in so it, 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 it's a sense it, it's effectively a grant to the builders Yeah I saw Tom Parlin of the Construction Industry Federation welcoming it maybe we should be worried about that Karen Holmes one of the Delighted. largest builders PLC um, they're welcoming it as well but other people on the other side of the fence aren't I mean there's a fairly hard hitting uh, piece by John McCartney who's Director of Research mm. at Savills mm. Ireland yeah. um, and he says it's about giving people more money to compete for limited new bills to drive up prices and help restore developer profits unfortunately this also makes housing less affordable alternative approaches such as cutting VAT and new homes uh, would equally have encouraged development but at a lower price point and we also have um, let me see Pat Davitt who's the Chief Executive of the Institute of Professional Auctioneers and Valuers Um, he said it was disappointed that it wasn't going to apply to second hand homes and he also mentioned the VAT element he'd wanted to reduce from 13.5% to 9% he references the fact that in the UK and Northern Ireland there's no VAT on housing so yeah absolutely mixed, mixed society charges are various the same they're out there saying that it'll mean greater competition and fewer properties but the thing is that I think there's this expected clamour for new homes if you look at it in the last in the first six months of the year about 2,000 new homes were sold less than a third of those were bought by first time buyers so effectively you're talking about maybe 650 people it's not you know it's not a tsunami of people clamouring to buy houses so it and we're told we need 25,000 new units every year. We do, but we have to start somewhere, Karen. so there has to be some kind of incentive. So if it gets 
diggers into the ground and things happening at a rate where people can afford to, to get out there and put their deposit down, it, it, it is a step forward. And the Minister is on the floor now insisting that people are, are levelling it at him, that this is a one-trick pony in terms of addressing the housing shortage. The Minister for Housing is saying, in, saying this, and he's an adamant, and I would agree with him. It's part of the action plan for housing. There are other uh, um, initiatives and elements that were announced in July, like you know, um, on-site and off-site, off-site infrastructure to drive down levies, uh, making more sites available, and a €200 million Euro infrastructure fund to open up new sites. So it has to be kind of looked in a wider context as well. Yeah. 105 million for the housing assistance payment scheme as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cliff Taylor, what do you make of this? I mean, is, is this going to actually drive the building of new houses? Is it the right way um, to go about helping the market or is it simply going to fuel price demand? Yeah, price I'd be a bit, bit sceptical in the sense of certainly in the short term, you would worry more demand and that there still isn't a supply of houses, you know, it's going to have one effect, which is going to be to push prices higher. So, and so you would worry that, you know, this is effectively, to some extent, a subsidy from uh, from, from the taxpayer to, to the, to the building, building industry. So that would be the worry about it. I mean, I suppose the, the measure of it really will be the success or otherwise of the other measures that Simon Coveney is taking to, to try and develop supply in the housing market. Everyone knows we have a huge problem. You said yourself estimates of 20,000, 25,000 a year, uh, you know, to, to, to get a balance going between supply and demand. So, uh, you know, this, this certainly isn't going to do it on its own. And I think the real the real key measures will be in other areas, really. And I would be a bit worried about the short-term impact of this. Yeah, OK. Now, Fiat mentioned the fact that we had an adjustment of €1.3 billion. Euro. Yeah. Up until about a week ago, we were talking about an adjustment of €1 billion. Euro. So maybe yeah. just explain to listeners where that extra €300 million came from. Yeah, there's always... There's always a few hundred million at the end of the day in the budgetary process, which comes in and out, usually comes in. So, for example, one of the things that I certainly didn't know before, and I think only emerged today, was that the revenue commissioners have changed their way of estimating the cost of tax breaks. And, and this gave uh, 155 million back this year. So that was one of the kind of significant things that emerged at the last minute that we didn't know about. There was also some other money left over in departmental budgets that happens pretty much every year. So a lot of money coming in and out. But uh, it emerged last weekend that the figure was going to be in the 1.2 region. And depending on how you interpret the figures they've put out today, 1.2 or 1.3. But it is a bit more than expected. And I suppose politically, maybe it allowed them to get the thing over the line. Uh, it paid for the, perhaps you could say the half point cut in the main USC rate it paid for a little extra spending for on, on welfare and pensions mm. albeit that some of them have been delayed so probably just about left enough in the kitty to get yeah. to, to get the thing over the line but you'll always find on budget day a few hundred million is, is, is found because I suppose we focus on the billion all the time but in fact we're talking about, about a budget of 55 billion so we're talking about huge numbers here uh, and, and generally you know if the thing is carefully managed there's always, there's always a bit left and in fact that was one of Michael McGrath the Fianna Fáil spokesman one of his complaints today he said you know we've been negotiating on the basis of one billion for the last you know three or four months and suddenly an extra two or three hundred millions of billion. Yes, no that's, one told that's the type of trick that Fianna Fáil would never have pulled back in the day. Never, yeah. never, never. But this, this is the advantage of being in power. You know, you have the levers, you can control the sure. game a little bit and sure. uh, it's okay. fair enough. It's, it's, it's part of politics. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704 1845. 
visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life September 2014. Peter Riley of PwC, this is a business podcast, so we should focus on some of the elements that are going to affect uh, small businesses and entrepreneurship. And there were a few items uh, in the budget around that. Just tell us all. Yeah, there, there was a couple of things in there, I suppose. Um, the minister has tried to enhance our entrepreneurial relief. So he's made the regime now that you get a 10% CGT rate on shares that you sell up to a million. That, that, that's and great. It's a lifetime it's, million, isn't it? It's not yeah, a fair ab- transaction. Ab- absolutely. Uh, the I suppose that's come down, you know, significantly from last year. But when you compare it to the UK, you're getting 10% in the UK on I think up to 10 million. And in the UK, you're also the the just the way you can get into the relief is is a little bit easier. So when we do have quite a mobile workforce in terms of entrepreneurs, that that's something that I think that we need to over time try and get more towards being a bit more competitive with the UK. Although this is a step in the right direction, I think the self-employed tax credit has gone up by um, 400 euro. I think so. That's up to 950 euro now, which is helpful again. Um, it's I suppose trying to level the playing field between the PAYE worker and the and the self-employed the worker. PAYE worker gets what 1650. 1650, yeah. And so the self-employed credit was brought in last year at 550. Another 400 euro now. Is you that know. a bit lower than people had originally anticipated? Um, was he not expected to do the 550 again? Yeah, I think I think. I think that was the plan to go 550 mm. again and then to get up to 1650. Uh, I suppose when, when when you try and add up the figures and you come out to whatever you need to get to, this was probably one that they were saying, okay, let's just move in the right direction on four on 400 uh, euro. There's a couple of other things that are interesting, which I thought um, as well. There, there was the minister said that they they'd done a consultation early the earlier in the year on share based payments. So this is where an employer can incentivize employees by giving them shares. You know, it's been proven, I think, or fairly conclusively proven through various different studies that if you incentivize employees with some sort of ownership within a business, they're going to be more empowered. They're probably going to work better. You know, there's going to be a better outcome for the business. Our, our share-based payment system isn't amazing. So if if we, he said that he's going to bring in something for SMEs, we don't know what that's going to be, but I think we're going to see that next year. So that's that in and he's, of itself is good. He's kind of kicking the can down the road on that one, though, isn't yeah. he, really? I mean, people were expecting something in this budget. Yeah, a bit disappointed. Like, I suppose we, many other people, had uh, sent in responses to the consultation earlier in the year. I thought there was going to be something, uh, you know, at least announced now, maybe that we'd see something in the finance bill, but that's been kicked down the road. Also, in some of the backup documentation, which he didn't, um, which he didn't announce, he had said that the, that the Department of Jobs is going to release something around the knowledge development box. So the knowledge development box was something which was brought in last year. It was it is effectively a tax efficient vehicle where you get six point two five percent tax rate on um, income related to certain intellectual property uh, and which you do R&D on, that type of thing. The, the problem from an SME perspective is it, it can be just a little bit difficult to satisfy all of the criteria and there can be a little bit, maybe too much paperwork from an SME perspective. So he said that the Department of Jobs are going to come out with something which is still in line with international norms, which is going to help SMEs. Again, probably kicking it down a little bit, but again, probably helpful. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, Cliff, he's also introducing a rainy day fund uh, for when we might hit the buffers again, possibly as a, as a result of uh, Brexit. Yeah, um, this was this was signalled before, and uh, he said now that when when the budget gets into balance in a couple of years' time, that he, a, a billion a year is going to be put away in a rainy day fund. I, I suppose it's it's uh, it, you know it's 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 to illustrate a cautious approach, and and it's to be welcomed. Um, and he's bringing, he's also, he wants the de- uh, debt to GDP ratio yeah, to come down to 45, 45, 45, 76%. It is, yeah, and he's obliged under EU rules to reduce it to 60%. So that, that is kind of the target so he's level. He so he's to. going further now. I suppose the flip He won't be in place when this happens, no. uh, with all due respect. When oh. He's talking about the late 2020s. We all might be gone at that stage, Kieran, but... Um, <laughs> but I, I, I suppose... Um, uh, the point is that the Irish GDP, the, the Irish national figures have been a bit messed up by this revision by the, the mm. CSO last year. So our, our debt to GDP ratio fall, fell very significantly from over 100 percent down to 78, 76 percent. Um, and there's kind of a feeling that it that it kind of overstates how well we're doing, if, if if you like. And the fiscal council have done a bit of work on this and said, look, the real level is more likely to be 90 percent plus. So I think really what he's doing is making a virtue out of reality and saying, look, we need to do better than 60 percent. We need to get down to 45. I remember when we hit the bu- buffers in the crisis, mm. we, we we were very low. I think we were down around uh, 20-25% debt to GDP ratio. So, uh, and we had a lot of money in our pension reserve fund at that stage. Uh, without both of which, we you know we would have been in an even worse position. So it is the kind of uh, it is the kind of leeway you need. Not a bad thing to do necessarily. No, no, it's a good thing to do. And I think one of the one of the things it's very hard to know how Brexit is going to is going to play out. And, and you know. There was talk about a Brexit-proof budget. And in fairness to the government, you know, who knows what way the mm. whole the whole game is going to go. But one thing that Brexit is surely going to bring is volatility. And in the face of volatility, you do need a ro- bit of room to duck and dive. So, you know, I think the more room that could be left of the budget figures in the next few years, the better. Yeah. And, and I suppose one of the concerns, small concern I might have, is that we've been able to outperform the figures hugely over the last few years. I'd just be a little bit worried if growth starts to slow in the middle of next year that we mightn't be able to do that again next year. Yeah, okay. Peter, um, pensioners are getting an extra fiver in, in their uh, w- weekly payment from the state and there's also other uh, benefits that are going up and so on. But I suppose the big focus is around is this budget actually doing anything for the squeezed middle? What's What do you think? I know there are reductions in USC. but yeah, uh, there, there are reductions in USC. I, I mean... They're modest. Uh, I think when you look at the calculators or, or when you work it out, the, the the figures aren't huge. I suppose it's a, it's a move in the right direction um, that that will obviously help people. You know, when you even consider then there's things about uh, the home care's credit has gone uh, has gone up. I think by a hundred euro. Um, uh, the, the other areas that they've that they've tried to help people uh, will. Help in terms of the in terms of middle income in terms of middle income families. However, I'm not convinced that really people are going to feel a huge amount at the end of the day or at the end of the year that they're going to have much left over. Certainly not two or three hundred million anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Madeline, I don't know if you consider yourself part of the squeeze middle, but are you feeling better uh, about next year on foot of this budget? <laughs> uh, well, I have to sit down and have a look, and how, how does it affect me? Um, I think the USC, I'm, I'd welcome the USC anyway, at least as a start, So, um, and, and anything after that. But day to day, no, I still think uh, the costs are yeah. out there, they're, they're, they're continuous, and there's not, not, a huge amount, not a huge amount of cash in my pocket at the end of it. Right. Yeah, the problem for a lot of households is that 
you know, you're, you're facing, for example, your health insurance has gone up. Yeah. It's going to go up again. Several yes. hundred. Your yeah. car insurance has gone up several hundred. So, mm. you know, any gains. Now, that's not, not all the government's fault. Mm. There is cause for the government to do do things about various bits of it. But that is the reality for And, of course, there is an inter-departmental group on motor insurance at the minute. Indeed, yeah. And they're yeah. hoping to introduce some policy measures by the end of the year. Yeah, so but maybe you, you, you know more effect. about that industry than most of us, Kieran. but it's been, it's you know, it's been yeah. an awful trouble. and. Yeah. We're not going to see any reductions, I don't think. Cliff Fick mentioned that three quarters of, the spend, uh, three quarters of this adjust, adjustment is on spending. So tell us a little bit about that. What can we expect uh, next year? Um, I think the difficulty for the government is it, it, it's, it's picked a few key targets. So the welfare rates have gone up. Uh, the pensioners are getting more money. There's more money being put into areas, the health service in particular, things for uh, to try and reduce waiting lists and, and, and the like. The difficulty really is that there's such upward pressure on spending anyway. I'm sorry, more guards and, and teachers as, as, as well. And nurses. Nurses. The difficulty is there's so much upward pressure on spending anyway and there are questions about you know how much has been set aside for pay increases and how much that's going to cost the government over the next few years. So I think it's a point that the Fiscal Council have made repeatedly that you know the upward pressure on spending, the natural upward pressure from inflation, from rising wages and from an ageing population is already there. So it, it costs a lot actually to improve the level of services. So I think it's going to come back really to the same old stories that we've been seeing over the last year and pressure on government ministers to actually deliver reform to, to improve things, you know, which is, which is difficult to do. So, you know, I don't think this is going to solve Simon Harris's problems in the health service, for example. Mm. It may help him a little bit in, you know, well, to, to solve some of his problems. Conduct a comprehensive spending review. What does that mean? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm old, I'm old enough. I'm old enough to have remember at tell least. Us, tell us all. I'm old a wise one. to remember at least four or five ministers announcing this before, and uh, yeah, look, I mean, this is something that needs to be done. But the issue is always, if you find in your comprehensive spending review that you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, or you can save money, are you actually going to go and do it? You know, it takes the actual decision. Mm-hmm. The review is put before you, and it says you should spend money. You should, for example, specialize. And the treatment of chronic diseases in three or four hospitals, for example, and suddenly you've, you know, another, you know, ten or eleven area yeah. hospitals saying, you know, that should that can't happen. This this leaves people in this area disadvantaged. So it really depends on whether people have to really want to make the decisions. Otherwise, a comprehensive spending review is, yeah, you know, sure. a nice exercise and a big bit of a big report. Madeline, a small bit of good news maybe for those who already have houses uh, in that they're, they're extending the home improvement scheme. Yeah. So if you want to give your, your house a bit of a, a lick of paint or uh, put an extension on or something, that's going to be available for another couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that that's, that's to be welcomed. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, th- there's not much else there for people. Um, the the rent room actually the the extension or the the, the raising mm-hmm. of that I think that's uh, I think that's going to be quite significant actually in so terms the of the amount of income you can earn from that has gone up by two grand to fourteen thousand yeah exactly exactly and I think actually that's quite a clever move uh, because I think there's plenty of people out there that might consider now you know putting out an extra room and if they have an extra room in the house yeah. and all of these people that are empty nesting etc and having difficulty moving on that they could actually generate an income from it. people who for example taking in students and yeah. the like yeah yeah, yeah. 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 exactly have you, have you a room to rent out Cliff I do actually now <laughs> yes I have my home to do the all, all applications to <laughs> Cliff Taylor at the Irish Times the <laughs> yeah. Irish Street in Dublin too Peter did they drop the ball on anything anything uh, that wasn't included that you expected 
Um, I suppose uh, I'd love loads of things. I, I think given the numbers, it's probably probably pretty difficult. The dreaded fiscal space, there's a huge amount of it. Um, I think there are positives there in terms of the special assignee relief programme as well and foreign earnings deduction, which are going to help companies uh, to a certain extent. He's extended those by another two years. There probably could have been more on, we'll say, the special assignee relief programme, which is where you get... Uh, it's quite controversial though, isn't it? I can understand it's a pretty hard sell, um, but that's more in terms of the explanation. That the point is, yes, if you bring in a high-value employee, assign them into Ireland, then they will get, or, or the company will get, a reduced uh, tax burden on that employee. Now, most of the time, the, the, the ta- employee is actually tax-equalised, and so the cost actually is reduced for the employer rather than necessarily the employee. That means that maybe the employer can bring in more people or can try and um, employ more people in Ireland. The point of this, but but it probably gets lost a lot, the whole point of SARP is to try to bring in high-value people who run a certain unit or something like that, and then they will generate more employment in Ireland. Our belief is that it's it's a good system, that if it's extended more, it will actually bring more jobs, but I, I understand it's a pretty difficult sell. Yeah, sure. And uh, finally, Cliff, um, there were some measures to try and tackle uh, offshore Mm. Uh, accounting that goes on. Um, Interesting, yeah. Yeah, on, on foot of the Panama, Panama Papers, which he referenced in his speech. Yeah, yeah, um, as reported in this paper. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few things. One is, uh, I mean, we don't really have a tradition of, there have been some uh, criminal prosecutions for tax avoidance, but uh, or tax evasion, I should say. Uh, and uh, he's indicated that he's going to make that tougher in terms of money being being hidden offshore. And I think that's welcome because I think you know, we've seen over the years people getting tax amnesties for bringing money back from overseas. I think that really sticks in people's in people's throats uh, when people get deals for doing things like that. And we're also, I think we await the finance bill to see what he's going to do about the controversial issue of Section 110, the vulture mm. funds, and also um, the way that various other uh, fund, uh, qualifying investment fund and ICAV legislation has been used to reduce tax on assets being bought and sold in Ireland. So there's been a lot of lobbying from the fund industry on that. So I think one of the things business will be looking at in the finance bill, which I think is due out in a couple of weeks, is how exactly that issue is going to be uh, is going to be solved without hopefully doing too much damage to the uh, international funds industry, which is a huge kind of wealth creator and yeah. job creator in the, in the country. Okay, and just finally, I just want to get your view on this. Uh, budget 2017, good, bad or indifferent, Madeline? Good. Peter? Middling. Middling. Okay, Cliff. to be in the indifferent camp, I think. (laughs) On that note, uh, we'll leave it there uh, for this week from our budget special uh, on the Irish Times Business Podcast. My thanks to Cliff Taylor, Peter Riley, Madeline Lyons and Fia Kelly. Declan Collin produced the show with Rob O'Sullivan as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. You can also follow the Irish Times Business feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 